Good day, everyone, and welcome to the ESPM Media Conference Call with NFL Draft Analyst Mel Kuyper, Jr. Today's call is being recorded, and this time I'd like to turn the conference over to Allie Stoneberg. Please go ahead. Thank you, Vicki. Hello, and happy draft week. Before we begin, I'd like to thank all of you media members for your time these past few months. I am sincerely appreciative for the interest you take in our draft calls. And as always, we're striving for efficiency, so please skip those personal greetings and start right away with your question. Liz Clark with the Washington Post. We'll kick it off with you, and then we'll go to Mike Barber with the Richmond Times. Thanks. Um, Mel, I'm interested in the Washington Redskins. They obviously have needs on both sides of the ball, whether for starters or depth. So what do you expect will be their priority in the first two rounds, and is that any different from what you think their priority should be in the first two rounds? Liz, I think you look at the D-line, you look at a running back, you know, defensive back, inside linebacker, all those different areas. It really depends upon who they prioritize. Christian McCaffrey was a name that you would think would be make sense, but he's, I think, going to be gone by then. Do they look at Dalvin Cook from Florida State? I think that's a little bit high for him. Uh, you know, does a player that you don't expect to be there drop down that far? And there's a lot of DBs. I have 19 DBs going in the first two rounds, Liz. So that's a position you might want to wait until the second round. Then we have to wait and see what happens with Reuben Foster, the inside linebacker from Alabama. How far does he drop? Some think he could drop into the 20s. So we'll have to wait and see. For Bill Peppers, obviously, another same thing as Foster. How far does he drop? So I think it's going to be some kind of wild cards in this draft, Liz. It could impact a lot of what happens uh, coming up on Thursday night. Mike Barber, and then we'll go to Antoine Staley with Athlon Sports. Guys, I'm looking at uh, Virginia Tech's Gerard Evans surprised a lot of people by declaring. Has he gained any traction uh, here in the process, or is he a long shot? And the University of Virginia has a streak of 33 years of having somebody picked. Uh, Taekwon Mizell, their running back, is maybe their only chance this year. Do you see him being selected? Well, I think when you look at, at Virginia, first of all, you just go to, you know, the offensive line. I think, you know, Smith has a chance. And I think when you look at where he could go, uh, that's Eric Smith. I think he could go sixth, seventh round. Mizell had a good year. Uh, he's got some versatility and he's got uh, a chance, I think, in the NFL today where the way the game is to really benefit from that. So I think Smith or Mizell, one of those two gets drafted. Um, I think when you look at Evans, I was surprised he came out. I think another year would have really benefited him. Uh, you know, he put up good passing numbers, but he's still a work in progress as a pocket passer. You know, one play, he surveys the field, he makes a nice throw. The next, he stares down a receiver and throws in the tight coverage. The release bothers me a bit. Not as smooth as I would prefer. Uh, he's an outstanding runner, but not exactly what you want a quarterback to do is running around. So, uh, you know, when I watched him against Arkansas, Boston College, Notre Dame, and numerous other uh, you know, teams, I, you like some of the things you see, but you said he's got to have another year, and he didn't. So I'd say right now, late round priority free agent for, for Evans. Antoine Staley and then Norm Wood with the Daily Press. Oh, Mel, uh, you look at Chris McCaffrey and where he was at the beginning of the draft process. He was kind of a border-round, first-round pick. Now you have him going to Carolina. What has really changed? What's the most, what has really changed since the beginning of the draft process until now to this point where you feel like he's a lock at a top-ten pick? Well, the workout was spectacular. I mean, uh, you know, that's right there when you see numbers like that for a running back. Uh, you know, talk about a guy who ran, you know, four four eight. 37 and a half vertical. I mean, that's enough right there. And you know about his bloodlines and the work ethic and all that. And the versatility, I think, when people really looked at this draft. And then what happens is guys move up that are 
versatile and have great workouts and had great careers over guys who had some other issues. And we've seen other players have issues and drop, be it medical or durability concerns or off-the-field issues. So that's the reason why McCaffrey, who is viewed as a safe pick, you know what you're getting. He's a, he's a, he could be a, a slot receiver, wide receiver. He's going to be your punt returner, kick returner. He's, a, as Adam Schefter said, a four-down player, which is accurate. So uh, that's why he's way up there. I mean, he could clearly go in the top ten uh, of this draft, whether it's the Carolina or going to be other teams interested in him, nowhere past the middle of the first. So uh, he's red hot. He's, he's really taking advantage of the process. Norm Wood and then Dan Duggan with NewJersey.com. Hi, Mel. Uh, since the Combine, I think we've seen, uh, by and large, um, based on some of the projections, uh, stock for, for former Virginia Tech tight end slash wide receiver Bucky Hodges and Isaiah Ford uh, drop just a bit. Um, wh- where do you kind of see those guys fitting in uh, as far as where they might get picked and where they could, where they could fit in potentially? Well, Ford, you know, you don't have tremendous measurables. I think you look at, at Ford right now and you say, okay, good size at 6'1", needs to get a little stronger. Uh, you know, speed is always going to be what it is. He's a pretty good athlete, so, and, and, he, and he works hard. I think that's going to help him, benefit him uh, at the next level is his work ethic. So I think get into the day three, uh, you know, anywhere from the fourth to sixth round area for him. Bucky Hodges, I think third, fourth round for him. He's got tremendous talent. Uh, you know, you think about blocking. That's not what he's going to get paid to do. He's going to get paid to catch the football, and he was a little inconsistent. Uh, you know, he'll pluck it out of the air, and he'll, he'll show nice hands, and he'll make the highlights film grab, and there's other times where it gets into his pads, and he, and he doesn't secure the grab. So uh, he needs to be consistent in that. Now, he shows you that he can do it, uh, and he's adept at creating late separation. I like that. He, you know, uh, to me, route running could be a little more crisp, uh, but he's got body control. I mean, he can take a short pass and turn it into a big game. He's got talent. I mean, if you get him at the right point in time, it's, you know, in the third, fourth round, that's a, for an athlete of his caliber – and with his size and the advantages he can create in terms of mismatches, uh, you know, at one time he looked like a first or second, now he looks like a third or fourth. Dan Duggan and then Jonah Dillon with the Daily Northwestern. Uh, you had Jared Davis going to the Giants, I believe, in your last mock draft. Uh-huh. I'm curious if you can describe, you know, what you like about him, and do you think he could step in and play for them right away? Yeah, uh, he's NFL ready. Uh, you know, Jared Davis is a heck of a football player. I think, you know, people now, after he worked out and he ran under 4'6 at 240 pounds and vertical 38 and a half inches, that's enough right there for a guy that, you know, he's had some obviously injury issues this year. He's still second on the team in tackles. Uh, God is productive. And, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, coming back, uh, you know, a couple weeks later after he was hurt for, with an ankle, he comes back against Georgia and he has a, leads the team with seven tackles. So this guy's resilient. He's got a great attitude, great character. Uh, he's versatile. Yeah, he's, he's a guaranteed first round pick. Thought that all along. Uh, but then, you know, the, you know, the injury you thought maybe could be a factor. But I think the workout solidified him. The workout made everybody say, hey, the tape, the workout, the character, uh, you know, he's going in the first round, and he'd be a heck of a pick for the New York Giants, the Detroit Lions, the Arizona Cardinals, any one of those teams that needs an inside linebacker. Jonah Dillon and then Bill Rabinowitz with the Columbus Dispatch. Talking about Anthony Walker, Jr., um, what's his outlook look like and how much did his stock maybe drop um, from last year to this year? And then also uh, Austin Carr, what are his chances um, of getting uh, Andre Ross as an undrafted free agent? 
Well, when you think about slot receiver, he did a good job. And I think he could be maybe a late-rounder priority free agent who can make a team. Walker, uh, you talk about the half tackles he had in 2015. He had 122, and he had 20 and a half tackles for loss that year. Uh, so, I mean, this is a guy who was still second on the team this past year with 105. So he's been productive, not quite as impactful uh, as he was uh, two years ago. Uh, and there's no doubt about that. Uh, he missed some tackles. Uh, you, know, you know, he didn't always react like he had two years ago. Um, you know, pass coverage is okay. Uh, he brings some occasional pressure. But I think you're looking at a guy right now who did drop a little bit from where he was, not a lot. Uh, you know, I think he's still in that, I'd say, fourth to sixth round range, more more fifth round probably the way it looks right now. And I think Cleveland, I was where I projected him when I did the Cleveland mock, and I'm going like the, that fifth round area there. So, yeah, he's still a good prospect, not the, the second or third rounder that maybe some thought going into the year. Bill Rabinowitz, and then Greg Madia with the Daily News Record. Yes, Bill, what's your sense about what the floor and ceiling for Marshawn Lattimore will be on Thursday? And also, what are you hearing about whether there are other Ohio State guys who might be either rising or falling fairly significantly late in this draft process? Well, I think you look at Lattimore, I think he could go top ten. I think, you know, where Tennessee's picking, you talk about with Buffalo at ten and, and all those teams in that area, there's a lot of teams that are looking at DBs. And I think top ten, I think Todd had him going two when he made his GM pick as the second pick to ten, to, uh, to San Francisco. So I think uh, not getting out of the top ten. In terms of guys from Ohio State, I'm Pat Elfline because there's not many centers this year. He's a, he's a center who did a lot within their scheme. He was asked to do a lot. I mean, pull out on pass blocking situations after blocking in. He did a lot. Uh, you know, and then there were times where he kind of struggled, but that was more the scheme, put him in some bad spots at times. Elfline, I think, could be a, a late two. Uh, so I think he's benefiting from the fact there aren't many centers. I think Mark Dominic talked about that on ESPN.com. That's accurate. There aren't, there aren't many centers, and that's going to help him this year. He's the elite guy at that position. So I think his stock has risen because of that. And I think Gary and Conley, the cornerback, has risen to be right there with Humphrey from Alabama and close to Lattimore. And I think Conley doesn't get out of the middle of the first round. So I think Conley uh, has probably risen the most since the beginning of the year. And Elf Line, because of the lack of centers, is going to go, like I say, late second, early third. Fred Madia and then Will Vanderfort with USA Today. Hi, Mel. Uh, I cover FCS James Madison, and I was wondering uh, your thoughts on the running back, Khalid Abdullah, and the cornerback, Taylor Reynolds, and if you may have a draftable grades on those guys. Yeah, I did. I mean, I would say draftable and Abdullah. There's so many running backs this year that have ability. And Khalid Abdullah, the production that he had, I mean, you're talking about a guy that, that when I watched James Madison, I mean, I, I think I made a point about him on a couple uh, of, the, of the calls we've done over the last, say, two, three months. I mean, the production that he put up, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a low slung. He's 5'9", and a half. he's about 220. You go for over 1,800 yards, you score 22 rushing touchdowns. Uh, you average 6'1", a carry. I don't care who you do it against. And there's some good football teams that they play that he put enough numbers against. So uh, another, that's why I say running backs, you get lost in the shuffle a little bit. If he goes undrafted and comes in as a priority free agent, we've seen some pretty good backs go undrafted. Priest Holmes out of Texas, Arian Foster went undrafted. I, it's a lot of guys in the league that went undrafted. Uh, over the last, say, 15 to 20 years at running back, you can, you know, you need more than just one hand to, to count them on. So I would say he's got a shot to push his way onto an NFL roster. Will Vanderfort and then Andrew Ramsbatcher with the Daily Progress. Hey, Mel, I uh, just wanted to ask, what's the potential for both Clemson's uh, Deshaun Watson and Mike Williams to possibly go in the first round, I mean the first 10 picks? 
First 10 picks, uh, yeah, it's, but more, I'd say Williams is borderline. I mean, he could drop into the middle of the first very easily, um, but he certainly got a chance to be the first receiver taken with Corey Davis not running with the ankle injury. That's allowed, I think, Williams to maybe be the first receiver taken. I don't think he would have been had Davis been healthy through the process and been able to run. Uh, I think Watson goes in the mid to late first area. I don't think top ten right now, but some think the Chargers at seven could take him. We'll see. So I would say you could end up with two, but I would say probably both end up just outside the top ten with Williams, I think, having the best shot to get in the top ten. We'll go to Andrew with the Daily Progress, followed by Jeff Shudell with the News Herald. Email, obviously you mentioned Eric Smith from Virginia. That's the guy that, um, you know, was a starter for four years, but was not really talked about too highly in terms of drafted. Uh, what has stuck out about him, and, and um, you legit see him maybe getting that chance in the sixth or seventh round? Yeah, I think because he's got some versatility and the fact that he's been a veteran. And, you know, you look at this league, if you can, you know, wear a lot of hats, you've got a shot. And I think, you know, that, and same thing with, with Mizell. I mean, you know, Smoke Mizell has been a guy that was highly touted coming in. Uh, he, he had a good year. So I think when you look at that, I think one of those two ends up getting drafted. And like I said, I, it's hard to say which one, but I think, uh, you know, one of those two, uh, you know, is selected late in the draft. And at worst, they're both priority free agents. We'll go to Jeff Shudell, followed by Herbie Topi with the Times Picune. Now, which of these quarterbacks has the highest ceiling? Which has the highest ceiling? I'd say Patrick Mahomes probably, uh, just because he's, he, you know, he can sling it like no other. I mean, he's got a heck of an arm, and you know, he's adept at throwing the deep ball, and he's not afraid to throw the deep ball, and he can move around. Very underrated mobility, and he's got a no conscience about it. I mean, he's not out there playing in fear. I always say you can't fear interceptions. You can't fear making mistakes. The only way you make big plays is taking some chances down the field. And the Dinkin and Duncan kind of makes you sick. And it, you know, the way he plays is, I think, kind of invigorating. So I would say the highest, the, you know, the ceiling would be Mahomes. I think Mahomes has got a chance to be really good. Now, there's some risk there because he's going to have to do something nobody's done coming out of the offense. So uh, and have success. So we'll see about that. But I think if you're patient with him, if you develop him uh, and don't force feed him, he could be a, a starting quarterback that you can have success with down the road. Herbie Topi followed by Kyle Martin with Raiders.com. Hey, Mel, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes here. And obviously the New Orleans Saints have a dire need on defense. But Sean Payton actually went down to Texas Tech and worked out Patrick Mahomes. How surprising would it be to you if the Saints – do use one of those early picks on a guy like Nick Holmes. Wouldn't surprise me at all because this league's all about quarterbacks. You can have all these other positions. Who cares? Who really cares if you don't have a quarterback? Does, is it going to matter? Is it going to help you win football games? No. You're spinning your wheels if you don't have a quarterback in this league. And why not? I mean, Drew Brees is getting up there in age now. Uh, you know, he's one of the oldest quarterbacks, oldest, one of the oldest starting quarterbacks in the NFL. So you got to go think about an heir apparent. Uh, drafted a kid a couple years ago, so fairly early. So I think uh, to go back and, and try to find a guy that could be the heir apparent, Patrick Mahomes has that kind of ability. Plus, it would be great for him because he could sit for a year or so, learn from one of the best ever, and have a chance to be the heir apparent. So for Mahomes, it will be an ideal situation. And you don't worry about other need areas. This is not the only pick in the draft. And, you know, the, one of the best drafts in the history of the NFL was the 49ers. They didn't pick till the end of the second because they had traded down twice. That was the late great Bill Walsh orchestrated that draft. So, uh, you know, everybody gets all caught up. If you don't take a need, you don't feel a need in the first round. Again, the draft's not over after round one. So taking a quarterback of the future in Mahomes would not be a bad move. Kyle Martin and then Mark Berman with the Roanoke Times. 
Mel, in your recent three-round mock draft, you've got the Raiders drafting Tredavious White, Carlos Watkins, and Dante Foreman. Do you see any of them as league-ready, or are they more a project type of player? Now, Tredavious White stayed for a senior year and really benefited just from the experience and the fact he's also an excellent punt returner, plays the ball well in coverage, uh, good football player. So, And Foreman had a great year at Texas. Now, he's not as versatile. He's not a guy who's going to catch the ball out of the backfield as good as some of the other guys. He's, not gonna, he's got to improve as a blocker. Uh, but as a runner, he had few, very few peers in, in college football. He did a great job. We'll go to... Mark Berman, followed by James Cratch with the Star-Ledger. Yes, we wanted to get your assessment of uh, Terrell Basham from Ohio University, who's uh, grew up in our area. Uh, what's your assessment of his play, and, and what kind of range of round might he go? I think he's actually a football player. And I, I think when you look at this year's defensive ends and you look at where he can be down the road, I mean, I, I, when you watch them, you, you had to like what you saw. I love his energy. Uh, higher, high, high energy player. Uh, really brings it very disruptive in the Tennessee game. Uh, a lot more disruptive. You forget, forget stats in that game. The stats don't tell you the story. He's sudden. Uh, he, he was a terror off the edge in that game. He could beat you with an inside move as far as coming off the edge, beat the tackle inside. He disrupts uh, passing and running lanes. He closes fast. Uh, I think when you look at him, you know, you know, the Troy game was another one where it was impressive. Uh, yeah, he can play. I mean, he's gonna, I think he could end up being, I wouldn't say second-round guarantee, but he's a possibility for the second. I think if we get into the third or fourth round, that's, that's as far as he's going to drop. He, he's got a lot of ability. He's one of the more unheralded standouts in this draft, I believe. James Cratch and then Tommy Birch with the Des Moines Register. No, obviously the Jets have a decision to make about Christian Hackenberg, what they want to do at quarterback. How do you feel that the quarterbacks in this year's class compare to, I guess, where Hackenberg was coming out a year ago? Hackenberg was a big question. You got to, had to recreate what you saw glimpses of as a freshman. He played two years after that at Penn State and didn't get it done at the level expected. So, you know, like I said, he was, you had to try to recreate that. It takes time. So Hackenberg, they had to know that when they drafted him. You're not going to get anything at him. That we're going to be in a similar situation we were when we drafted him the second year, not knowing what we have, except internally knowing if he has the ability to make progress and improve with the work that they were doing with him. They're the only ones know that. We don't know that. So if they feel he He's not making the progress, and what they thought on draft day doesn't apply now. You've got to go back and try to get one. If they feel he can be a guy down the road that can be a factor, then, and you feel there's not that much difference, then you don't take one. They have so many needs. They don't have to say, we've got to get a quarterback. They've got a ton of, of issues. No quarterback's going to win with the Jets this year anyway. Josh McCown will probably be the starter. So, you know, are you drafting the quarterback for the next GM and the next head coach if you do that? Probably. So that's a tough call for the Jets. They've got so many need areas. Uh, they could go away from quarterback early. And I think the best scenario would be get out of there and trade down. Tommy Birch and then Jimmy Durkin with East Bay Times. No, it's been a while since Iowa State's had any guys get drafted. Do Wilts, Tucker, Thomas, or someone else have a shot at kind of ending that, that string? Well, I think Wilts to me as a as a nickel corner, as a guy or, or be your you know fourth corner, I think he's got a shot. Uh, you know, he's got some coverage ability. I, you know, I think they got some young guys coming up in the program. A couple of that went back. Uh, same thing with Tucker's got a shot. But I think Wilts has the best chance because you know cover guys you need more than two, and he's got a chance, like I say, with his cover skills to be like I'm say Tavon Young last year to the Ravens in the fourth round. But what a late round priority free agent type that I think can stick on a roster. Jimmy Durkin, and then Steve Serby with the New York Post. 
the Raiders have a pretty obvious need there at inside linebacker, but uh, McKenzie and Del Rio tended to be guys in the past that maybe look for guys later in the draft or some under-the-radar free agents. If they don't address inside linebacker, you know, in the first day or two, are there some day three guys that could step right in and be maybe a day one starter for them? Well, uh, you look at Anthony Walker from Northwestern. Uh, yeah, he's a guy that, to keep an eye out on, uh, you know, for uh, Blair Brown from Ohio had a great year. Uh, tremendously productive, tested well. Go back to the Tennessee and Western Michigan games. You want to see how, how good a player he can possibly become. Ben Gedeon from Michigan, another guy, had a spectacular year against Ohio State. He had 10 tackles, two for loss, and a sack. Uh, you look at that game, you think he's a second round pick. Uh, so, yeah, there are uh, Mark L.D. from Wake Forest as a, as a guy. Uh, you know, they got to the Florida State game. He, he struggled a little bit, missed some tackles in that game. Uh, you know, you look at some other games where he was a guy who was solid from start to finish. So, I could, you look at the right game, Lee from Wake Forest could end up being a guy who can help you uh, down the road as an inside linebacker. Steve Serby and then Sammy Batten with the Fayetteville Observer. Hey, Mel, I was just wondering what your opinion of Cooper Cup is. You know, Cooper Cup's interesting because he's a heck of a player when you watch him with the pads on. Even against Oregon every year, he dominated. Level of competition didn't bother him. The senior bowl didn't bother him. Uh, but he didn't test great, and that's, again, where you got to weigh that. I, I looked at Jordy Nelson's vertical jump when he came out. Jordy Nelson had a 31 vertical. You know, Cooper Cup had a 31 vertical. Exactly the same thing. Uh, you know, as far as speed goes, you know, you know, Nelson ran 4-5-1, uh, you know, Cup ran 4-6-2. So Nelson was faster, but the vertical jumps were basically the same. So it uh, was the same. So I think Cooper Cup, you get into the late second, early to mid-third round for a guy that you know is NFL-ready. Remember, he could have come out last year and been a third or fourth round pick. Goes back, similar production, now he's a late two, early to mid-three. So you're getting a guy NFL-ready. You know, his father was drafted in the NFL as a quarterback out of Pacific Lutheran. So uh, this kid loves to play the game, knows the game, uh, knows how to maximize his ability. Yeah, late second, early third for Cooper Cup. Sammy Batten and then Matt Wenzel with MLive Media Group. Yeah, Mel, Zay Jones, a wide receiver from East Carolina, mm-hmm. and Josh Jones, a safety from NC State, seems yep. to have seen their draft stock rise quite a bit since this process started. What have kind of been the factors in that rise, and where do you feel those guys might land? Well, you're good football players, and you test incredibly well, you're going to go. And Josh Jones played well and tested great. He's going to be a second-round pick at worst. I wouldn't be shocked to see him in the late first, but I think solid second for Josh Jones. Zay Jones, uh, I've said all along, I think he's a borderline first. At worst, the second reminds me a little bit of Heinz Ward, the way he competes for the football, the way he'll block. Uh, you know, he's not a guy that's going to get a ton of separation. He's not going to outrun people after the catch, uh, you know, and, and pick up tons of yardage after the catch. But he's a he's a gamer. Uh, he he plays. He blocks. He'll shake off a drop and come back and, and play hard next play. He's a hustler. He loves to play the game. Great bloodlines with his father Robert, former first round pick of the Cowboys, linebacker out of East Carolina. So I think everything points to those two kids having really good success in the NFL. I would think there are no worse. I would say second round if I had to say right now where both of them will go. Matt Wenzel, followed by David Collier with KAMC-TV. You've had Jabril Peppers in the first round of all your mock drafts so far. Yep. How do you see the news today that, you know, he, he tested positive for a diluted sample? How do you see that impacting his status, his stock, and do you see him still as a first-round guy? Well, you know, he's a, he's a guy you have to look at it, and every team's going to evaluate it, and you hear what his side, is, you know, says about what does the reason was that happened. You had to assert the same thing from Foster's camp. Um, you know, you got to look at it and evaluate it, and I think they made the point. He's never had any issues before. 
Uh, you know, I mean, he was projected to be a late one to Dallas at one point. Uh, I had him going to Dallas, so it's not like he was projected to be a top ten pick in, in the mock drafts in terms of the, the team to player mocks. Like I said, I had him going to Dallas. So, you know, I don't, I, I'd be surprised if he got out of the first round. They're talking about Foster maybe getting into the teens. He was projected to be in the teens. Something can get into the 20s now. We'll see. I guess that team to team, 32 teams later, I'm sure there are some teams in the late first round didn't think they'd see him there that uh, may see him still on the board at that point. And then they, they look at it a lot differently than teams picking in the top 10 would. David Collier and then Cody Stavenhagen with Tulsa World. Yeah, Mel, uh, talking about Patrick Mahomes, why why is he going to be the Texas Tech guy that breaks the mold, one? And, two, you mentioned the high ceiling for Patrick. How high do you envision him going this week, and can you possibly see him not going in the first round? I think he goes in the first. Could I see him getting out of the first? It would surprise me at this stage of the game. I think the, the fact that the last Red Raider quarterback there was named called in the draft what was it in the seventh round, B.J. Simmons in 2004. So, yeah, the system and all that, I get all that. But, hey, Jared Goff went number one overall out of the same system. So, yeah, a similar system. So there you go. I mean, now you're talking about the mid-first, late-first round range. Uh, you, know, you know, Mahomes is the hot guy right now at the quarterback position. Make no mistake about that. Uh, everybody's talking this kid up for obvious reasons, and uh, I'd be very, I'd be really surprised if he didn't go in, in the first round of the draft. Cody with Tulsa World, followed by Grant Rainey with Two Four Seven Sports. Hi, Mel. Just curious if you have been able to get a good idea of what the what the stock is like for um, Oklahoma's Charles Walker right now, and what he could potentially bring to a team. Tough. That's a tough one. Uh, you know, that's uh, very it's, uh, difficult to evaluate where he stands right now uh, and get a, build any consensus. Uh, all I can go by is what you see when when you put him on tape and you watch the kid. And uh, you know, he's got he you know he flashes early round ability. I mean, you know, you talk about you know a guy that has has had games where he's gone out and I don't want to say taken over the game, but he's had some very good success getting into the backfield, getting sacks, tackles for loss. Obviously, the concussion issue uh, was there. Uh, but he's got some explosiveness. Like I said, he generated some plays in the backfield. See some good power when he rushes the passer. He's, uh, he, he, I think he has to vary his moves, which they all do. Technically, needs to vary his moves a bit. But, you know, I'd say you get into day three uh, for a guy that, like I say, at one point in time looked like an early-round pick. Uh, you know, for a defensive tackle, has the ability to get into the backfield. He's going to present some value on day three. Grant Ramey and then David White with DavidWhite.com. Hey, Mel, in terms of the uh, Tennessee players coming out, there's obviously been a lot of attention on, on Derek Barnett, Alvin Kamara, and Josh Dobbs. I, I wanted to get your opinion on, on some of the other guys coming out from Tennessee, uh, Cameron Sutton, Josh Malone, and, and Jalen Reed. They've been kind of – what is the range for them and how do you, kind of you evaluate where they are at this point in the process? Well – Reeves Maven, when you look at him, I mean, he's an interesting guy. I mean, yeah, he's not a he's not a wow factor player who you know who's going to like I say just jump out at you, uh, but he does a lot of things very well, and he's got some versatility. Uh, so you know, I mean, you know, he started four games this year before he was out for the year with the shoulder. Uh, season opener against Virginia Tech, he had 13 tackles and a couple tackles for loss. So he's not excellent. He's not a guy that jumps out at you in any one area, but he's instinctive. He finds the ball, and Malone really came on. And I think he made himself into, I'd say, a potential. When I look at it right now, I'd say a potential third or fourth round pick. I mean, he's got ability, and he was a guy that certainly got in sync with uh, with, with Dobbs and had a really good year. I would say he came out of nowhere, but I think when you look at the wide receivers in this draft, Malone probably helped himself as much as anybody. He averaged almost 20 yards a catch. Uh, you know, this is a guy that going into the year wasn't really on the radar to be in a, you know, any more than a late-round possibility at best. 
And if you go back to the Alabama-Nebraska game, you've got to like the way he tracked the ball over his shoulder. Uh, he became a much better and much more effective big play threat this year, and he showed some suddenness out of his, out of his break. So I would think Malone, third round, has uh, a, a distinct possibility he goes that high. David White and then Andrew Wild with the Daily Californian. Hey, Mel, what do you uh, – round do you see Zach Cunningham going, what team – and what do you like about him, and, and what about Jay Cutler's future after after the draft? Well, in terms of Zach Cunningham, uh, you know, you love the length. Uh, John Gruden made that point when we were down meeting with John last week. The tall, rangy, 6'3-and-a-half inside linebackers with long arms are tough for quarterbacks to deal with. His production was outstanding. He gets to the football in, in pretty fast fashion. Uh, you know, he's decent in coverage in the short intermediate areas. Where he needs to work is on becoming a more short tackler. The games I saw, I watched him against Tennessee, I watched him against Florida, I watched him against Georgia and several others. Too many missed tackles. And, you know, that's the thing. He doesn't always drive through the, uh, with the tackle. He doesn't always wrap up. That's something he needs to work on. But he gets, I mean, he's rangy, he's fast to the football. And he's only an every-down player. So I think you get into the second round, uh, he's going to come off the board. We'll go to Andrew Wild, followed by Jason Butt with the Telegraph. Hi. At his pro day, Davis Webb talked about a bunch of NFL guys on he's a first-round talent. Obviously, that's just talk, but what chance do you give him of going in the first round or the first 45 picks? You know, you hear a lot of, of positive commentary coming from various people. I didn't see it. I mean, I was calling these bubble screens and Cal's offense, but he's got the size. Obviously, he put up big numbers when he talked about two different schools. Um, you know, he's got, a, he's got a nice arm. He can make any throw. Pretty good, you know, good, very good mechanics. Um, you know, he can move the pocket when needed. Um, but his decision-making at times is, is questionable. Too many throws in the tight coverage. Too many throws downfield where he didn't see the safety uh, in close proximity, or he just didn't, you know, didn't care about throwing it in there. Ball placement accuracy wasn't what you wanted to be. He missed some open receivers, even in the Senior Bowl when he got the award uh, you know, for offensive player, he missed a wide open receiver. So I, I gave him a, a fourth round grade. Some think he could be a second round pick. We'll see. Jason Butt and then Charlie Potter with two four seven Sports. Mel, I noticed you placed Isaiah McKenzie in the third round of your three-round mock. Yep. I, was, yep. I was wondering if uh, you see him as someone whose stock is rising, and, and what about his game could be causing this to happen? And also, are there any other of these uh, Georgia players that you think could slide into those late rounds of the draft? Yeah, McKenzie's the guy. I mean, you look at what he did. I mean, you know, he only started four of 13 games, but he's their top receiver. Uh, you know, he's a, he, he ran for 140 yards. Uh, you know, you look at the Missouri game, he had 10 catches there. His return skills, obviously, are excellent. Uh, yeah, he's fast. You go back to you look at the North Carolina game, the Vanderbilt game. Uh, he's more than just a return man. An excellent punt returner. I mean, he's, he's got the school's career record holder with the five punt returns for touchdowns. Uh, overall, uh, return touchdowns, he has six. So, uh, you know, he's a factor. He's, you know, he's not going to say, well, you know, he's small and whatever, diminutive. Hey, this league and the NFL now is about, you know, guys that can do exactly what he brings to the table. So I think he's a third-round pick, at worst a fourth-rounder. Charlie Potter and then Kyle Meineke with MLive.com. Hey, Mel, you already mentioned Ruben Foster, but I was just wondering how many Alabama players do you think will be selected in the first round come Thursday? 
I have five going into first. That would be, you know, on the offense, Howard and Robinson, obviously, and then on defense, you got Allen, Foster, and, uh, and Humphrey. That's your five. And I think the most underrated player that we all talk enough about is our Darius Stewart. Like the way he plays, uh, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, they drop the ball every now and then, but uh, he's a good football player. And I think uh, our Darius Stewart's going to be a nice third-round pick for somebody as a wide receiver that can come in and help you. Kyle Meineke, and then Jerry McDonald with the San Jose Mercury News. Yeah, you know, um, just curious your thoughts uh, from a Lions perspective uh, on the first-round receivers, you know, John Ross, McWilliams, and Corey Davis, and if the Lions don't go receiver in the first round, who's a, who's a deep threat they could target in the middle rounds? Well, I think there's a lot of guys you can look at. I think you know, when you look at linebacker, I mean, you think about Hassan Reddick at that point would make sense. I mean, that name's come up. Uh, I know a lot of people have talked about him. In terms of some guys that could be uh, Chris Godwin from Penn State, if he gets into the third or fourth round, he showed against USC what he could do uh, as a threat. Carlos Henderson from Louisiana Tech, if he gets into the third or fourth round area. If Amara Darbo from Michigan gets into the fourth or fifth round area, he could be interesting. Uh, Malachi Dupree, if he gets into day three, uh, you thought he would be a much higher pick when he came to LSU, and he could still be there at that particular point in the draft. Uh, Stacy Coley from Miami of Florida, he gets into day three. Uh, Shelton Gibson, West Virginia, uh, is another kid. Uh, you know, average 22, one a catch, fourth best in the nation. So, uh, yeah, there are some guys that uh, day three is going to open up some opportunities for some of these kids to be really good picks. Jerry McDonald and then Childs Walker with the Baltimore Sun. Yeah, Mel, with the, the 49ers at number two and having 10 picks, but with a first-time head coach, first-time GM, what do you expect to see from them? Do you think they'll hold on to that pick or trade back? or What, what, what are you kind of expecting to see from Shanahan and Lynch? Well, our word is that they get the opportunity trading back, but uh, I think Solomon Thomas is a great football player. Uh, I know Todd talked about Marshawn Lattimore. I like him, but I don't think two. I think two's a little high for me. But I think Solomon Thomas would make a lot of sense if you can't trade out. And they always say, hey, we might want to trade out, but can we? Uh, they have needs in a lot of places. But I think so you look at Solomon Thomas as a guy, strong, explosive, versatile, um, you know, third-year sophomore who played, had a tremendous year culminating with that dominant effort against North Carolina. It would be hard to pass him up. If, he, if, if Thomas gets past the 49ers and he drops down to, say, Jacksonville and that area where you know, you're picking with, like the Chargers, if he got that, it would be like Leonard Williams dropping to the Jets. Solomon Thomas is one of the best players in this draft. I have him at number four on the board with the same grade as the second guy. So anywhere two to four on, on my board, uh, Solomon Thomas is a tough guy to overlook at that point. Child Walker, and then Travis Brown with the Bryan College Station. Yeah, him, him all. Um, there's, there's talk about the Ravens uh, possibly trading down, as, as, as there always is. And, and I'm curious if you see um, a lot of teams potentially uh, looking to trade down, given the, especially the, the, the defensive depth in this draft. Yeah, I think so, and I think the Ravens are in a great spot because they're where they're picking in the middle of the first. I mean, if they trade down, you got Cam, if say Cam Robinson from Alabama, Ryan Ramchek, Wisconsin, and also uh, say Forrest Lamp from Western Kentucky are all still there. All three are within their, you know, they have their sights on possibly because they all fill that void either at guard or tackle. Because you've got Alex Lewis who had a good rookie year can either play right tackle or guard. So whoever they draft impacts Lewis. So they don't have to force a tackle or a guard. They can take one either position. So they got all three guys who are interesting. If you trade down, you're going to get one of those three. We'll go to Travis Brown, followed by Hondo Carpenter with Spartan Nation. Hi, Mel. Uh, Texas A&M's Ricky Seals-Jones did some working out at tight end at the A&M's Pro Day. 
do you see teams going for him as a wide receiver, or does he project more as a tight end? And also, uh, the Speedy Noyles testing results, is that enough for him to get drafted despite maybe some not good tape and off-the-field issues? Yeah, I mean, a 43-and-a-half vertical for, for Noyle, an 11-1 broad jump. And, I mean, we saw glimpses of NFL ability. I mean, these guys flash talent you know, whenever you, uh, they were full strength and out there playing uh, on the football field. So you had no question that in, you know, on day three that's going to get your attention. Ricky Seals-Jones is 6'4 and a half. He's 245 pounds with really long arms and, and really good speed. Uh, you know, obviously not as athletic as, as some of the other guys in terms of that vertical at 28 inches. But, uh, you know, with his matchup advantage with that size, I think if you can, like I say, maybe uh, – move tight end for him uh, you know, is in the cars. All, both those guys are somebody that you would think about on day three, probably mid to late day three. Hondo Carpenter and then Marshall Hughes with WAPE. Mel, I would appreciate, would you talk about the fall of Malik McDowell and could you talk about some other Spartans that you would uh, expect to be drafted this year, please? Well, I think when you look at McDowell, the fall is because, you know, he just didn't go out and perform to the level of that talent. Uh, you know, you look at, you know, some games, and you look at versatility. If certain games, you look really good. Uh, other, you know, he showed some, you know, he played, played defensive end, he played on the nose, they moved him around. Uh, first start at defensive end, he had a career high 11 tackles against Northwestern, two for loss. So he's got talent. Uh, you know, there's no doubt about it. He just, he, for whatever reason, he just didn't perform at the level expected later in the year. And it could have been the record. It could have been, you know, like I say, senioritis or whatever. I was called or draftitis for these underclassmen or whatever it is. The bottom line is he didn't play as well as he should considering his awesome talent. And he didn't always, I think, you know, show that secondary move and, 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 and pursue plays and do those kinds of things. So uh, I think people are going to look at him probably as a bargain if he gets into the late first or early to mid-second. Todd McShay brought up a good point. Todd said, hey, Chris Jones went near early second for similar reasons. I thought Chris Jones was a better player last year or two years ago when he was at Mississippi State than what McDowell was this year. But, you know, Jones had a pretty good rookie year. And, uh, you know, he got into the second round for a reason. Okay, he was inconsistent. So if you want to compare and hope he has the kind of rookie year that in Korea that Jones does, you look at McDowell probably at a similar position, which will be early round two. Marshall Hughes and then Stu Jackson, Jackson with thehoosier.com. Hey, Mel, I'm looking at Derek Barnett and Josh Dobbs. First with Barnett, you look at his numbers against SEC teams, a little bit better production than those of Miles Garrett. What separates those two players with Garrett projected number one, Barnett possibly later in the first round, and then with Dobbs, where do you see him landing? Do you think his stock's improved even since uh, the end of last season? Yeah, I think when you look at Beth Barnett, I mean, the production is incredible. Uh, you know, the 4.8840 at the combine, the 31 vertical doesn't compare to, to, to Garrett. You know, Garrett, you know, you think about a 4.64 with a 33 reps and a 41 vertical. You know, Barnett, uh, you know, doesn't compare. You know, you think about, the, you know, where he will be in the NFL. Is he going to be the next Terrell Suggs who only ran in the 4.8 range? Uh, we'll see. I mean, that's what you're hoping if you draft Derek Barnett, that he can overcome not having great measurables to, to continue what he did in college and translate it to the NFL. In terms of Dobbs, it's been red hot late because he's interviewed tremendously well, as you knew he would. He had some games where he brought his team back. He, he shakes off the first half issues and, and plays really good in the second half of some games. He's got a live arm. He's got the mobility. Uh, he's got to become more consistent throwing the football, both in terms of ball placement and overall accuracy, because that was lacking in some games. So, yeah, I think the second round's too high. I hope he goes in the second round. I wouldn't think about Dobbs until the fourth round. Uh, but, you know, some of us are suggesting, I keep hearing, maybe second round for Josh Dobbs. And, hey, credit Josh Dobbs. 
the work ethic, the attitude, the intelligence, all those things over the last three months have, have moved him way off the board. Sue Jackson, and then Matt Kawahara with the Sacramento Bee. Yeah, Mel, just what's your evaluation of uh, Indiana's Dan Feeney and, and Divine Redding, and how do you expect their their class as a whole at their respective position groups affecting where they'll go uh, in this week's draft? Well, in terms of Redding, I mean, the production, you know, over 1,000 yards, I mean, it's a focal point in the passing game as well. He had, what, 27 catches. Previous two years combined, you only had 13. So, you know, and I looked at the Ohio State game. The stats weren't great against Ohio State, but he did some things in that game that made you, you know, stand up and take notice of what he was able to do. He ran with conviction between the tackles, get the hole with a good burst, showed cutback ability. Um, you know, ball security was an issue in two games I saw. Um you know, he's kind of one of those guys. He lacks the size to be an effective power back. He lacks the speed to be a, a consistent threat to the perimeter. But he's got a chance. I think as a late-rounder, priority-free agent, he'll, I think he has a chance to make the team. And Feeney is going to be a guard in the NFL, obviously. Like a lot of what I saw on tape of him, I gave him a second- or third-round grade. We'll go to Matt with the Sacramento Bee, followed by Aldo Amato with the Daily News Journal. Hi, Mel. Uh, the Oakland Raiders have a couple of highly paid corners, but I was wondering if you see anybody who could maybe slide in for them right away at, uh, as a nickel corner and maybe provide some depth there. And also, I wanted to ask if you could maybe just briefly look back a couple years to 14 when they used their top two picks on Khalil Mack and uh, Derek Carr, who have obviously become instrumental for them. If I could just ask you for your, if you could recall your immediate reaction to those two picks and whether there was a sense at the time that, that they could help turn around an NFL franchise so quickly. Yeah, there were. I mean, I had a high grade on both of them and uh, liked them both. So, I, I, you know, you, you always predict things. Sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes you're right. And in this case, I was right about Carr and right about Mac. Mac was a gimme. I mean, it was the guarantee. You knew he was going to be great. Carr had a lot of critics, and I wasn't one of them. So I feel good about that. You know, I've missed on some quarterbacks. I've hit on a lot of quarterbacks. So I hit on Carr because uh, the character, uh, the work ethic, uh, the way he threw the football, the way he could move around, which was underrated, I thought, um, it's just the fact that, you know, you talk about, you know, just the passion for the game and the leadership and uh, just the approach. You know, and people talk about the USC game. The team was outmanned. USC outmanned Fresno State. They didn't outman. And what about Derek Carr? So I think people overreacted to that game dramatically. They, they, they were taught holding his brother as a number one overall pick that he didn't have a great career against them. Houston didn't take him. They took a guard from UCLA in the second round instead of Derek Carr, maybe for that. Who knew, knew the reason? But it was great for the Raiders that he fell that far down. In terms of corner, I, I think corners this year are, it's the deepest position by far in this draft. You're going to see some really good corners later in the draft. I think Nate Hairston Temple uh, could be a guy to look at. Corn Elder, Miami of Florida. Uh, Jalen Myrick, Minnesota. Uh, you know, Shaq Griffin from uh, from Central Florida. Ashton Lampkin, Oklahoma State. Uh, DeMonte Casey would be a really good slot corner in the fourth round out of San Diego State. Aldo Amato, followed by Nate Atkins with MLive.com. Hi, Mel. Uh, I, I cover Middle Tennessee. I was wondering to get your thoughts on uh, Middle Tennessee cornerback Jeremy Couture. He was a former LSU signee. Came to yep. Middle Tennessee, uh, and then uh, also uh, the uh, running back that's kind of flown under the radar in Arkansas. Matters, yeah, yeah. I think you know, Cutter. I, you know, I, I thought he'd have a higher grade than he did. Uh, than he ended up with, but he's a guy I think more of a late rounder, priority free agent. Matters. 
I have him with a borderline draftable grade. Uh, he, I think with running backs, so many running backs that are, are uh, uh, there's some guys that are very under the radar that are probably going to get drafted. Uh, I could see him being an undrafted free agent who makes a team. I think both those kids as undrafted free agents, priority undrafted free agents, have a chance. Uh, and matters, you know, the production was off the charts. He's my 35th running back. That's that's the priority free agent. Uh, yeah, there's some guys ahead of him that just, you know, I mean, Tara Cohen at North Carolina A&T, D'Angelo Henderson, Coastal Carolina. Not much difference in grade between them and Mathers. So it wouldn't shock me if he got drafted late, but I'd say more priority free agent. Nate Atkins, followed by Jay Skursky with the Buffalo News. Hey, Mel, I was just curious uh, your thoughts on some of what's coming out with uh, Ruben Foster potentially fighting in the draft. How far do you think he might slide and to the Lions there at number 21? Would you take him if he, if he falls that far? Hard to pass up Ruben Foster when you're talking about 21. I mean, Baltimore's at 16. There's a lot of teams that could be looking at that, that, that say we weren't expecting Foster to be there, and there he is, and Lions would certainly be one of those. Or the Giants another if he were there for the Giants. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, at that point you got to assess you know, how he was graded prior to these issues, investigate and figure out what, what, what the issue was. He has his story, as Peppers does. Uh, yeah, but if he gets into the 20s, it would be hard to pass him up. Chase Kersky, followed by Ben Swanson with the Denver Broncos. Hey, Mel, a lot of times we see new head coaches kind of get their way and draft a guy on, on their side of the ball that they've coached. Uh, you know, with the Bills and, and Sean McDermott coming over, Given the way that this defense has underperformed the past couple of years, do you think that would make sense with his background? I know you've had them uh, addressing the offense in a few of your mock drafts as well, too. Yeah, they could go defensive end. Uh, the question is, which one, you know, who do you take at that point? You know, is there a defensive end that is attractive at that particular point in the draft? And I didn't see one. Uh, do you stretch it for Charles Harris? Uh, from Missouri, they could. I mean, Harris is a pass rusher, and we've seen that happen before. So I think if you're going to see a reach or an overdraft, and that's debatable because everybody has different. Obviously, they love him if they take him, but Charles Harris from Missouri would be the one defensive end that uh, could impact as a pass rusher what they do on the defensive side. Ben Swanson and then Brian Matthews with AuburnSports.com. Hey, Mel. In the past few years, the Broncos have foregone expectations that they would draft an offensive lineman in the first round, uh, you know, taking a guy like Shane Ray, trading up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone you see that maybe they would like to trade up this year to target? I don't see that. I, I think the offensive line is still the area, and you're not going to trade up for any of those guys, I don't think, uh, you know, because they don't have a high enough grade right now to trade up for where they're picking, uh, whether it's Garrett Bowles, Utah, Cam Robinson, Alabama, Ryan Ramchek, Wisconsin. All three of those guys, I think two of those three would be there. Maybe all three are there. Probably definitely two of those three, because Baltimore could take one of them, uh, maybe Cam Robinson a possibility, or Ramchek. So, uh, you know, Bowles is interesting. I think he's a little bit kind of risk-reward there, but I think they pretty much, I wouldn't say they have to, but I think the offensive line is the issue they need to solve. Brian Matthews and then Troy Dreyfus with Pirate Radio. Hi, Mel. What's the best-case scenario for Montrevious Adams and Carl Lawson? And besides those two and Jonathan Ford, do you see any other Auburn players being drafted? Yeah, I think I think Adams has a chance to be a late second, early third round pick. I think the same thing for Lawson. If it wasn't for the durability concerns, his pass rush ability and his effort is outstanding. He probably would have been in the early second round range. So, and Rudy Ford, I have right now as a fifth or sixth rounder to safety. So, yeah, I think they're going to be well represented there. And I think you're going to look at day two with, uh, like I say, Lawson and Adams, and then day three with Ford. Troy Dreyfus followed by Tom Rock with Newsday. 
Pat Mill, I heard you mention Zay Jones at East Carolina University earlier, projecting him as a second rounder. What would the chances be that Zay goes in the first round? Who would have to come off the board, in your opinion, before him? And separately, uh, do you see the Bears making a run at Deshaun Watson in the second round if he's still around? Yeah, I think that they would obviously you know, look at that. I don't think he will be there, and I think the Bears could look at a young quarterback at some point, but I don't think you're going to see uh, Watson get into that point in the second round, at least the way it looks right now. Now, everything's possible. If he did, uh, obviously, you know, all indications are they like him. Uh, so will they make a move to get back into the first? Now, maybe they'll do what the Minnesota went in to get to Teddy Bridgewater with Seattle. So, uh, you know, they could, if they like him that much, they could make a move to go get him as the heir apparent to Mike Glennon. Um, in terms of the receiver has to be off the board, I don't think it matters that much because it depends upon whether you like Jones or not. You know the top three are going to be gone. They'll be Williams, Davis, and Ross. Then Jones is in there with Curtis Samuel from Ohio State, who's kind of a running back slash wide receiver. Really, nobody else. Juju Smith-Schuster would be in there, a USC kid who I like as a second rounder. So maybe Smith-Schuster, who's kind of similar to Jones in terms of they don't get great separation, but they both are kind of power forwards when the ball's in the air. We'll go to Tom Rock, followed by Jason Galloway with the Wisconsin State Journal. Bill, what's the earliest you see the Giants going quarterback here, and what kind of a scenario would, would that play out as? Well, it depends who they like. I mean, I think seven to eight quarterbacks have a chance to be starters in this league. Now, how successful they'll be, I don't know in terms of whether it gets that deep where a guy like Brad Kaya from Miami of Florida who has some things to work on, or Deshaun Kaiser has a lot of things to work on, or uh, Nate Peterman who has to overcome lack of great arm strength out of pit. Josh Dobbs, inconsistent at Tennessee. How does he develop in the NFL when he was like, up and down in, in the SEC at the collegiate level? Davis Webb coming out at offensive cow. Alex Torgerson's underrated at Penn. Had some really good games. I mean, this kid doesn't throw interceptions. Well, he had, what, three or four interceptions this year, same last year. Completion percentage, incredible. Uh, he's smart. He can move. He can throw on the run. Uh, I think Alex Torgerson, you get into the fifth, sixth, seventh round, is going to be a uh, guy to really watch. I think Bethard from Iowa is more of a late-rounder priority free agent. Uh, not a lot else out there, uh, but I think there's seven to eight quarterbacks that will be asked when they're drafted to maybe be starting quarterbacks down the road. Jason Galloway and then Brian Batco with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Seems like T.J. Watt from Wisconsin has been turning up over the last couple of months. What, what do scouts really like about him, and do you think he has any chance of uh, sneaking into the first round? Well, I, I would say for first round, I would say that's, Maybe a little high. Uh, you gotta love the, the fact that, you know, he can play on his feet. Uh, he can play with his hand on the ground. Uh, you know, he got 11 and a half sacks. Uh, he's productive. The thing I love about the kid, he varies his moves as a pass rusher. He can get pressure inside or outside. Versus the run, I mean, he'll get off blocks, he'll pursue. Uh, you know, dropped into coverage a few times, and he's still working on that, but when a couple games I saw in coverage, he was at least adequate. Uh, and the games I watched were LSU. I remember him against Michigan State doing that. Uh, and then, of course, the durability. I mean, he had some injury issues, but he can stay on the field uh, as a pass rusher, as a second-round pick. Uh, at worst, or I'd say a second-rounder. If he's getting a late first, I wouldn't rule it out, but I, I, give him, I gave him a second-round grade. Brian Batco, and then Nathan Summers with the Daily Reflector. What do you think about the two pit offensive linemen to project them as day two guys, and what are the chances a team takes a chance on Juan Price given his production despite the perceived uh, physical limitations there? They could. They could take a shot. Price has the ability to get after the quarterback, and uh, that's something that everybody wants. So I could see him going late. I don't think in the top – 
three to four or five round. I think getting into the sixth, seventh round is where I could see him coming off the board. I think when you look at uh, the offensive tackle spot with Biznawadi, uh, yeah, there's not many this year coming out that have the ability, I think, to be starters in this league. I think he does have a chance. He's just got to be more consistent, more reliable game to game. Dorian Johnson can be a starting guard. He's an excellent pulling guard. Uh, he can hit targets on the second level. Uh, he sustains pretty well. Uh, he's got to get more consistent, uh, you know, as a pass blocker. Uh, but I think you look at him as a guy that could be in the third to fifth round range. So I think Biznawadi more of a fifth to sixth rounder. But will benefit him, though, is there's just not many tackles this year who teams are going to have a, a decent grade on. Nathan Summers and then Bob Laguerre with the Daily Herald. Now, uh, one other one on Zay Jones at East Carolina. Um, you talked about where he, where he could possibly go and what some of his upside potential is. What will be some of his biggest challenges in terms of uh, sustaining uh, success, and what do you see maybe as his, his long-term upside? Well, the work ethic is going to be a benefit. You know, he's got to keep working on his, the, the suddenness and the burst out of his break, the gain separation. In college, it wasn't a lot of that. Uh, in the senior, at the senior bowl, you know, he made the catches, but it wasn't a lot of separation. So in the NFL, can he open up enough of a window for the quarterback to throw into? You don't want to have contested throw after contested throw. You've got to get some separation. And that's the only thing I think he can work on uh, is that uh, burst out of his break at the pro level. Next, we'll go to Bob Laguerre, followed by Trevor Groves with CUTigers.com. I'm sorry, Allie. Um, Bob is no longer online. Okay, we'll go to Trevor Groves with CUTigers.com. Hey, Mel. Greetings from a fellow Baltimore native. Um, there you go. I cover Clemson. I think I, I cover Clemson. I think a lot of Tigers fans would like to get your take on Jordan Leggett. Um, two-time Mackey finalist, had countless uh, big plays and big games, including Louisville, Florida State, and Alabama games last season. Uh, went over 100 yards twice in his career. Not even Dwayne Allen did that at Clemson. Um, why, why is he rated so low? Is it just is it his measurables or is it his blocking or is it just that this draft is so loaded with tight ends with Howard and uh, Njoku and, uh, and Ingram? I don't think he's rated that low. I think there's going to be mixed opinion on Leggett, but you know, six five and a half, nearly two hundred and sixty pounds. He's got decent arm length, huge hands. He's, he's athletic, really athletic, and he had some, as you say, some big catches. Uh, made one hundred and twelve career receptions, eighteen career touchdowns. This past year, he came on national championship game. He had an outstanding game against Alabama. A uh, seventeen yard catch in the red zone helps up the winning touchdown. So all these things are working in his favor. He's just a guy. I think yeah, you know, he's just got to show a little bit more. I'd say suddenness at times. Uh, route running there was basic. Uh, he can be a decent run blocker, I think, but the consistency there was lacking. So I didn't think times there were you know just full steam ahead all the time uh, will allow Leggett to have a good career in the NFL. The talent is in abundance. So I think you get into the third round. I don't see him getting past there. We'll go to Jared Lloyd with the Provo Daily Herald, and then followed by Jason Gibbs with ESPN Cleveland. Jared, if you're on, go ahead with your question. Hey, Mel. Sorry about that. Wasn't ready. Sure. Um, <laughs> just wanted to ask you about a couple of the BYU guys out here. Jamal Williams is probably the most likely to get drafted, but wondering if you believe any of the other BYU guys are going to be drafted this year. He's the main one. I mean, as far as you know, Jamal, the way he runs, with you know, he's, he's a downhill, hard-charging runner, uh, school's all-time career rushing leaders, almost 4,000 yards. 
uh, runs with power. He's a one-cut guy. I mean, uh, he is what he is. You know what you're getting. Uh, he was used in the passing game his first two years, uh, not much the last two. Uh, you know, is, you know, to me, you look at him in this draft with the running back position being pretty good, I don't think he gets lost in the shuffle. I think teams, certain teams with certain blocking schemes will look at him. I think he goes fourth to sixth round for Jamal Williams. Jason Gibbs followed by John Crick with the Toronto Sun. Hi, Mel. Uh, quick question for you. Just with everybody talking about what the Browns may or may not do with quarterback position or with Miles Garrett, what is, if there's a knock on Miles Garrett, what exactly is it at number one? Well, the knock would be that he does, you know, vary his the pace of his of his, of his game and his effort. I mean, there were game times where he just didn't seem that interested in, in, in you know in playing the run or, or taking or hand stack and shed. I mean, there were times when he did. So, I mean, he would show you that. It's a, remember the college game that uh, we talked about that. Uh, both McShay and I have talked about that a lot. You got a lot of plays. I talk about that every week during college football. You're playing ninety to one hundred plays. You got to take some plays where you pace yourself. You can't just like a NASCAR race. You can't go. For, you know, you, you got to realize it's a long race. You can't just you know it's a, it's a you know it's a marathon, not a sprint. So in, in the NFL, it's a different ball game. He won't have to worry about the stamina, the endurance, and pacing himself. And uh, and he wasn't healthy all year. When he was healthy two years ago, he had 12 and a half sacks and 19 and a half tackles for loss and five sacks. Miles Garrett's going number one. If he wants it bad enough with his measurables and his talent and his athleticism, he can be as good as he wants to be. That will determine what Miles Garrett is. Miles Garrett will determine that. John Crick and then D. Orlando Ledbetter with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hey, Mel. Just want to ask you about four Canadians where you think they might be drafted. Sure. Uh, the first offensive tackle, Justin Senior from Mississippi State. I'd say late rounder free agent. Vicky, would you mind checking his line, John's line? Yeah, John, if you want to give us the rest of the names. Yeah, I got three more coming out, so we can get back to that. Sure. Uh, I'll give you three names now. Uh, Jeff Gray, University of Manitoba, guard tackle. The tight end, Anthony O'Claire from Laval, and right. a big defensive tackle from UCLA, Eli Anku. I'd agree. The only one, the, the tight end has a chance maybe late, but I'd say all are probably, for me, the way I graded them out, late round or priority free agents, and I would shade priority free agent for all of them pretty much. We'll go to the Orlando Ledbetter. He's no longer on. Okay, Jerry DiPaola with the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Well, um, quick question about the big guys, James Conner, Nathan Peterman. What do you think, you think their ceilings are as far as the draft is concerned? And as far as their NFL careers are concerned, their ceilings. Well, I think Peterman could be like, a, you know, I compare him to Trent Green, I've heard Kirk Cousins. I mean, he could be that type of quarterback in the NFL if his arm continues to get stronger. He's got all the other attributes you need. Connor, I mean, he runs his best between the tackles. Power, balance, determination. He has an effective spin move, good stiff arm. Uh, you know, he's not a guy, he's a burner, but he gets to the perimeter at times. Um, yeah, he's not going to make defenders miss. Uh, that's the issue. Uh, the North Carolina game, he caught the ball well. Uh, they didn't have a lot of catches uh, overall. Uh, but I think when you look at what he did, and it, the, the playability at times was there. Uh, he made some. Uh, you go back to the games that he, he played well in. I've looked at the North Carolina game, uh, the Virginia Tech game. There were several others that he looked like a third round pick. So I'd say based on the running back position, always seeing guys drop down further than they should. I think he ends up being a fifth to sixth round pick. 
Unfortunately, that is all the time that we have for today. I apologize to those I could not get to. Thank you again sincerely for your time and your interest in our graph calls. We'll have this audio replay up um, later today or early tomorrow. Have a great rest of your week. Thank you.